And Lord, we want to walk and enter into that joy with you again today. Lord, as we pour out our hearts to you, and as you now pour out your heart to us through your word, Lord, we receive with joy and gladness again the words of eternal life that come from you, the eternal one. Come and speak to us, Lord, out of the fullness of who you are. Speak your truth. Speak your heart to us, Lord. And may we walk out changed and transformed just for having been with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your goodness is like a fetter that binds our hearts to you. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's so good. I love you. welcomed together today into the Holy of Holies, because the curtain has been opened, and the King has beckoned us to come in. This morning we're going to complete a series that we began at the beginning of this summer, entitled U-Turn, Breaking Through Roadblocks to Life. If you've not had opportunity to be with us for all of the series or perhaps for any of the series, there are CDs available in the back with PowerPoints of all of the previous messages in this series. You can also go to our website, www.betheltwincities.org, and you can always download messages. They're usually up within the week that they've been preached or for sure by the following week. I want to publicly thank those who do that work um, for uh, Greg and for Ching who put the sermons on the web. I just received out of the blue, I got an email, Liz and I got an email from somebody who moved away three years ago and just said, just wanted to tell you, I, I'm not quite keeping up on all the saturate reading, but... I've been listening to all the messages and I sit here with a pencil in my Bible and I listen and I weep as I hear the word. And then I go and I take it to my Bible study and I share it with all of my friends. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He's good. This morning we are coming to the close 
of this series by really entering into the heart of one of the most significant roadblocks that can keep us from experiencing life. John 10.10 says, The enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to bring life and life to the full. Earlier, Rich Hansen brought us a prophetic word about from the heart of the Lord saying, I remove these obstacles from your life, and then you go ahead and clutter them back in. That was good. Thank you, Lord. The Lord wants to remove that clutter from us in order that we can experience the fullness of life that, is, that he has offered to bring to us. So over the last several months, we've looked at a number of those issues that you saw uh, right there in the bulletin insert. We've looked at everything from shame and apathy and lust and fear and um, rejection and all of these various issues. And this morning... As we complete, again, this series, we're going to come to this issue of unforgiveness. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you right now to please join me in turning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. This will set us up for uh, what we want to unpack this morning. It, it, this is one of those messages, well, Pastor Sam and I have been talking, Pastor Sam, our lead pastor in our Minneapolis campus, as we've been working on these messages together, uh, both of us uh, frequently come to this point of saying, we have so much material, we have so many things to bring, um, we could do a series on each of these roadblocks. And certainly with this issue of forgiveness, um, it's huge. So I'm not going to be able to touch on every point, and, but I'm going to try to give us a framework to think about this whole issue. And it it's helpful for us, I think, to begin with this story, this parable. Parables, remember, a parable is, is more than just simply a fictional story. A, a parable is a window into reality. Jesus used parables to come at our hearts and our minds sideways, as it were, to break open something in us, to help us see something that otherwise we might not be able to see. And I think in the parable that he shares here this uh, that we're going to be looking at here in a moment, he certainly does that for us in this area of unforgiveness and forgiveness. Verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, and if you don't have a Bible with you, you can use the one right in front of you here. I encourage you to do that. Again, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 23. Now we get the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's like a million dollars. Since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when... 
that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like a few bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Oh my. Jesus certainly cracks something open here, doesn't he? The parable is the parable leads us as a window into reality, leads us into understanding the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, the master, the king, God, we we owe him everything. Our very life, we, we, owe, we're, we have a great debt because of our sinfulness, because of our brokenness. We have an unpayable debt to the Master. But because of Jesus, because of the forgiveness that is available to us through Christ, that debt can be canceled in our lives. And we receive the full forgiveness and pardon for that debt. And yet, how many of us hold on to our brother or our sister, our family, our friends, our co-workers, Our Christian family, we hold on to the slightest of offense and hang on in our hearts to unforgiveness. Let's define unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is choosing to hold on to an offense. The word in the Greek is scandalon, referring to the part of the trap to which bait is attached. When we take hold of that bait, we become trapped by the enemy of our souls and others become ensnared as well. Now, we have a bunch of folks here in this house who come from Africa, so they could probably tell you more about this than I could. But I've read 
that one of the ways that you can catch a monkey in Africa, one of the ways that hunters catch monkeys and trap them, is by hollowing out um, a coconut, putting something sweet, something that is desirable inside of that coconut. And when a monkey comes to grab that, they'll put their hand in through the opening, grasp hold of that sweet thing, whatever it is that, that, that attracts them. They hold onto that. And when they attempt to pull their hand out of the hole, because they now have a fist, they can't actually get their fist back out of the hole. They could put it in when their fingers were like this and they could slide it in, but as soon as they grab hold of it and make a fist, they can no longer get out. And the sad thing is, a monkey will sit there and hold on to that thing until the hunter comes with the club and actually, instead of, you know, all it would have to do is let go. But that's the bait. Offense, unforgiveness is that bait of Satan that he uses to ensnare and capture our hearts. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry And do not give the devil a foothold. I heard about a guy who took that so literally, he was so mad at his wife, he didn't want to let go of the anger. So he decided to move to Alaska in the summer where the sun never goes down. So he could hang on for a little while longer. But the Bible's not speaking literally, you know, he's, he's saying, do not allow this to fester in your life. Because it gives the enemy a foothold in us. It's one of those obstacles that we heard about prophetically this morning. It's one of those things that becomes a stumbling block in our path. Not only that, but as it tells us in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness is a poison. And it's so, it's a poison that we drink hoping that the other person will get sick and die. Bitterness is like living in a prison that we have built for someone else. Here are the issues that we need to face clearly 
as it relates to unforgiveness. First is the issue of injustice. All offended people fall into two categories. Category one, those who have been treated unjustly. Category two, those who believe they have been treated unjustly. All of us, anyone dealing with offense, you're dealing with this issue of injustice, either you have been treated unjustly or you believe that you have been treated unjustly. And here's the deal about this injustice thing. Well, it's both personal and systemic. On the personal level, it gets most personal when it's somebody who's close to you, somebody you love, somebody who matters to you. David in Psalm 55, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. Let me make a statement here, and I haven't thought this all the way through, so I'm going to think out loud for a minute, which is always dangerous particularly in a sermon, but let me think about, let me think out loud with you for a moment about this. Some of the most offended people that I've ever met who struggle most deeply with unforgiveness are believers. And the deepest offenses and the deepest wounds that they've experienced and the things that have caught them the deepest are wounds that have come from other believers. I think the reason that that's the case is because it feels in that case like the injustice is so much more unjust. Because our expectation, you know, the difference between expectation and reality is disappointment. And when our expectation is here, and the reality is here, and we become disappointed, and, they, and, and, and the ones whom we love and who we've poured out our heart before God in sweet worship, in sweet fellowship... I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the throng of God when those people injure us. The wound goes very deep, does it not? Is this true? Thinking out loud, but you can think with me. All right. A second issue around unforgiveness, and this is... <laughs> this is Hard for us to listen to and hear. It's hard for me to hear. But I think we need to, we need to face it directly is, is the issue of pride. Injustice, you know, the Bible says offense will happen. <laughs> Guess what? You are going to get offended. One of our things around here, we say this is a safe place where strangers become friends. And it really is a safe place. This is a, a healthy house. It's a healthy congregation. It is a safe place. doesn't mean you're never going to get offended. 
Offenses will come. There's going to be lots of opportunity to practice. All right? The, the thing that piles on to that is this issue of pride. Because pride causes us to view ourselves as a victim. I was mistreated and misjudged. Therefore, I am justified in holding on to my unforgiveness. Pastor, you just don't know what I've gone through. You have no idea what people have done to me. You don't know. I have heard, as a pastor for over 25 years, I've heard a lot of injustice. The challenge is, is that injustice, with our own self Pride gets mixed in and we begin to view ourselves as that victim and then we're justified in hanging on to our unforgiveness. Which leads us to the third issue that we must face around unforgiveness and that is of judgment. Judgment says, I have the capacity to accurately judge and the right to seek vengeance and restitution. I have the capacity. I, you know. But here's the problem. Here's the challenge that we face. Remember earlier I said, injustice, all offended people fall into two categories. Those who've been treated unjustly and those who believe they've been treated unjustly. Sometimes we're dealing with inadequate or insufficient or even inaccurate facts. And we build this case of injustice and judgment, and we think that we can see everything, and we don't. We don't. Okay, everybody hanging with me so far? All right. What are the fruits and the signs of unforgiveness in our life? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says very clearly there's two things we're not to do in the New Testament. It says don't quench the Holy Spirit and don't grieve him. Don't resist him. And don't cause him grief in his heart. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When, when do we cause grief in his heart? When we have bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. He lays it out here, the Apostle Paul, all of the string of words. which are fruit that come out of a heart of unforgiveness. What are some of the signs that we might be walking in unforgiveness? There's a barrenness in our life. We have a lack of concern for others. We're consumed with self-pity. We're preoccupied with ourselves. We're chewing away on those old bones over and over and gnawing on them. And all we can think about is me. And there's a barrenness that happens in our life. There's a brittleness. We become afraid to meet two people. We're, we're inflexible. We're afraid of rejection. We can become really brittle when we are walking in unforgiveness. We're bleak. Notice these are all bees. Okay, you notice that. All right, good. One who shows little or no gratitude, negative, no joy. 
there's just a there's just a general cloud around our lives of negativity. What was that famous phrase of President Reagan? The nittering nabobs of negativity? What's that? Oh, that was Vice President Agnew. Thank you. Get that clarified. Get that historical. Thank you. Speak up. Vice President, the nittering nabobs of negativity. Bigoted, dogmatic, extreme, harsh criticism, empty flattery. And bitter. Holding grudges for long periods of time, just nursing those grudges. So these are some of the fruit or signs that you can examine in your own heart and life. And allow the Spirit of God to begin to open up your heart. And be honest. Why try to hide? You can't hide anyway. God knows your heart. He's greater than your heart. And all of us, I would say all of us at one point or another in this room, have struggled with these very things. So what is the antidote? What's the antidote to unforgiveness? Well, ooh-ah, forgiveness. (laughs) Forgiveness is the antidote. To forgive another means to cancel a debt in order to provide a door of opportunity for repentance and for restoration of the broken relationship. Forgiveness says you're free. You're granted a pardon for the offense you committed. It's no longer held to your charge. There is no resentment felt for you. You are absolved from indebtedness created by your misbehavior and restored to your former status. I remove the barrier called alienation. This morning in pre-service prayers, we were praying. One of the prayers was for the Lord to open the door and, and it just left in my heart because the reality is He has opened the door. Because this is exactly how He's treated us with forgiveness. He has canceled our debt. He has opened the door of opportunity. Many of you know this formerly was a Jewish synagogue. And up here was the the tabernacle with the the scrolls and the ten words of the law written on them. And and when when the process of refurbishing this building happened, and as as Kerry Kimmel, our in-house architect, was praying about this, and the imagery, the imagery is very clear here. Because it tells us in the scriptures that when Jesus died on the cross, one of the signs that happened was that the the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two to make entrance into the very heart and life of God. And this morning, the good news for you and for me is that that curtain has been broken and there is an open place of welcome to come into his heart and to receive that forgiveness that He extends. And if you've never experienced the forgiveness of God, if you've never opened your heart and asked Him and, and, and come to Him as a, as a sinner, as a broken, wounded person, and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Today you can do that. And begin to have the biggest roadblock to life removed. The roadblock of your sin. 
which separates from you from God. And you can begin to experience life, true life, life eternal. The barrier called alienation has been removed. The dividing wall of hostility has been taken down. Now, the instruction is because of this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Live a life of love. Dearly loved children. Because Christ loved you. Gave himself up for you. Paid the full penalty for you. All right. I'm going to give you a few facts. Like I told you, there's so much that we could talk about, but we're just going to keep moving forward. I want to give you some facts about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, when we claim to have forgotten a wound or a hurt, it probably means that all we've done is tried to bury it deeply so that we don't really have to deal with it. Scripture says that God will remember our sins no more. But God doesn't actually forget. He simply doesn't use that past against us. Forgetting may be the result of forgiveness, but it is never the means to forgiveness. This is a huge issue pastorally uh, throughout the years. I've, people feeling like, I can't forget because I can't forget. You don't have to forget. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You may forget, but just because you remember doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. They are different things. Forgiveness is a choice. To forgive another is more a matter of our will than of our feelings. It's a choice. Famous picture of this that you've maybe heard me share before. It's, it's so powerful. Corey Tenboom, who was a, a Holocaust survivor. She was a Christian. They'd taken in those who, who were uh, the Jewish folks who were being hunted. They, they ended up in prison themselves uh, in, in, in concentration camp. And after the war ended and after things were done, she, she ran across one of her former, uh, one of the former guards at the concentration camp that she'd been in. And she struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled to forgive him. And she finally went to her pastor and said, I don't know what to do. I can't forgive him for what he did. My sister died there. I can't forgive this guard. And the pastor took her from his office, and, they, and he took her outside, and he said, come with me. And he walked outside, and he pointed up at the bell tower of the church. This was an old-fashioned church with a bell tower. And he said, 
You know, the sexton comes and he rings the bell. And he's going to keep ringing. He rings the bell to, to, to call people to service or to whatever. And he rings the bell. But there comes a point when he lets go of the rope and the bell continues to ring. But over time, the ringing becomes less frequent and less loud until finally it is stilled. He said, forgiveness is letting go of the rope. The wound, the pain, the hurt, the emotion of it may still ring for a while, but gradually it will get quieter until it is still. Forgiveness is letting go of the rope. So watch yourself. Luke 17 says, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and uh, seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. (laughs) How are we going to do this? He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. If you have faith, you can do this. You can make the choice. Faith is letting go of the rope. And no longer holding on. This one's hard to hear. Forgiveness is conditioned by our response. Unless we truly forgive others, we make it impossible for him to forgive us. What? Not that he withholds his forgiveness until we first forgive but we're unable to receive his forgiveness unless we forgive. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father won't forgive your sins. What does that mean? It means that if we are holding on to that bait and our hands are in that fist and we are unwilling to let go, we also are unable to receive the full forgiveness that is offered. Remember, unforgiveness is that prison that we build for someone else and we end up living in. It imprisons our hearts. Final fact, and we're almost there this morning. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequence of another person's sin. All of us naturally want to have justice served for offenses we may have suffered. Yet the Bible teaches us to release our desire to be the instruments of serving justice. Why let them off the hook? Because we're the ones that are still hooked. When we release them, we leave them on God's hook, and we can trust that he will deal with them fairly, something we can't. Forgiveness is a sacrifice. It's hard. But God, He knows our heart. He understands this. This is is the story of Scripture. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Even on the cross, His last word. letting them off of his hook, putting them on God's. 
Final thoughts this morning. The process. The Bible always puts the responsibility for forgiveness in our hands. If we've been offended, we are to forgive. If we have offended, we are to seek the other's forgiveness. It's always up to us. The Bible always puts it on us. We are the responsible ones to walk in forgiveness. The full circle of forgiveness is as follows, and, and Pastor Dave uh, Ogren, I believe, is the one who, who is maybe even, I don't know if he shared this in a sermon or in a, in a class. I know he shared it in class. It begins with an offense. Again, back to Luke chapter 17. Remember, we just read that moments ago. Um, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times comes back to you, says, I repent, forgive him. All right? It begins with offense. Either we have offended or we are offended. The rebuke comes... The rebuke comes to our pride. The rebuke comes from the Lord into our hearts that says, wait a minute, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I messed up. Sometimes we or someone around us may be the agent of providing that rebuke to someone who has offended. Did you know that when this happened, this is, this is what that did to my soul. Hard work. But not negative. It's not criticism. It's just exposing reality, at least as far as we can see it, understanding again that we may not see everything. But rebuke leads to repentance. Repentance. And the rebukes of the Lord, sometimes it's like I was praying this morning, His kindness, it says in Romans, His kindness leads us to repentance. When we see, when we understand what we have done, the grief that we have caused, there comes repentance in our heart. And we say, I've messed up, I have offended, I have broken, I have done this. I repent. And then there opens the door to forgiveness, which leads to the potential of reconciliation where those who are enemy become friend again. Those who we are at enmity with, God knits hearts together again afresh. And life begins to flow. Whether we are the offended one or we are the offender, there is this process that we walk through which brings that full circle of forgiveness. And we're going to walk through that process over and over again. And it's important to understand that it is a process. It's not a point. You know, the altar is a powerful place. When we come to the altar of God and we pour out our heart to him and we experience a lifting off of loads that are on us. And I believe that some of you this morning are going to experience a lifting off of your life and off of your heart of things that you have held. Maybe even for long periods of time, God wants to bring you to a place. He wants to remove the impediment. He wants to take those obstacles out so that you can experience life. But the point of the altar is that it leads us into a process of ongoing forgiveness and discovery. It doesn't suddenly mean that everything's going to just be wonderful. Forever and ever, world without end, amen. But it means the door is opened and the process can begin.
Worship team, if you'd come on up, please. As we hear the final admonition of the Lord this morning from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. This is the heart of the Lord for you and for me this morning. His desire for us to clothe ourselves afresh with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, to bear with each other, to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, there's much more that we could talk about. Forgiveness opens the door to reconciliation. It doesn't mean that reconciliation has yet happened. It may or may not. And what reconciliation ends up looking like, how that gets worked out, there's lots of different pieces to that. There's lots that we could share. But this morning, we're talking about removing the roadblocks to life. And one of those roadblocks in many lives in my experience, both personally and as a pastor for over 25 years, and is that unforgiveness is one of those that can really block out life. And, that, and, and when that root of bitterness grows in our spirit, it really does begin to affect others around us. Those roots go out and the poison goes out. And God just wants to pour in his cleansing stream of grace this morning. He just wants to pour in his river of life and bring us into the fullness of healing. I want to close with a story that I uh, ran across just very recently here. Another Corey Tenboom story. And I'm going to find, there we are. Another story about her experiencing that forgiveness. Keep playing, that's good. Cory Tenboom, the Dutch woman who nearly died in a Nazi concentration camp, tells of a day after the war when forgiveness was difficult. She says, I saw him in a church in Munich, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pile of clothes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. The place was Ravensbrook, and the man had been a guard, one of the most cruel. And now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fraulein. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. 
You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from you as well. Fraulein, again the hand came out, will you forgive me? I stood there and could not forgive. My sister Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her death simply for the asking? He didn't stand there long, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. Jesus, help me! I prayed silently. I can lift my hand, you supply the feeling, and so mechanically I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. An incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all of my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner, I'd never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Romans 5, 5. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the love of the Father. Can we stand together this morning and if, if there's something you need to unburden your heart with in this area this morning, in the area of unforgiveness, and you have a stumbling block you need to come and lay before the Lord. We're going to close in a moment with, with a benediction prayer, and I'd ask you to please just stay present until we have had that opportunity to pray the blessing upon you all. But just before that, I want to take this moment to invite you to come to this altar as we sing. What are we singing? How deep the, How deep the Father's love for us and as we sing of his love for us would you let that love wash over your heart and maybe again you've never experienced the forgiveness of the Lord today is the day of salvation today you can receive life from him come and receive life and come and release that life through you as you forgive as you let go and lay down those things that you've held on to release them to the Lord this morning come to this altar and bring your burden and lay it down and go free. Would you just open your hands, please? Just feel that water from the throne of God rushing through this room right now. It's a cleansing stream of His forgiveness and grace flowing releasing ah step into the stream this morning not just ankle or knee deep not even shoulder deep go and swim in the stream of his life right now the flood of forgiveness that has come from the cross 2,000 years ago spreads throughout all of the world. No respecter of person. 
no matter what your age, stage in life, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are, the forgiveness of God reaches to you right now. I speak and declare the forgiveness of the Lord through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive it now in Jesus' name. And we speak forgiveness, Lord, to those who have offended us. And we repent of those things where we have been the offender. And Jesus, we ask for that cleansing of your forgiveness to flow, flow through our lives right now. Flow, Jesus, flow. Ah, oh, God. Break every impediment in Jesus' name. Take every high place and bring it down, every low place and bring it up, every crooked place and make it straight, every rough place smooth to prepare the way of the Lord to come. Now with hands open, I pray. That you will be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father. The irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son will flow into your life. That you will be flooded with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. As you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations. May the banner of His favor be over your life. May His goodness and grace chase you down. And until we gather again in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, the people of God. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. I bless you now. Go in His grace and the fullness of His forgiveness. Amen.